of the geek <laughs> first show for the year 2017 after a big gap big hiatus over the christmas break joining me as always dan miller i'm dave scotland very special guest regular guest is tom mcgill <laughs> welcome tom hey guys gentlemen first of all the important stuff did we farewell over christmas in the way of toys ah toys the good stuff well, I got a new phone. That's a grown man's toy. That's a good toy. Yeah. That's a good toy. So seeing as I upgraded from a Nokia brick, which I was, which was probably outdated in 2011 when I got it, five years was enough time to uh, wait and get yourself a, a proper phone now. It's almost an eternity. Well, I had really waited for the Galaxy Note 7 to come out. And um, I think a week before it was come out, in July... A week before, I tried to go on the pre-order because you could get a gear headset if you go with a pre-order, and I couldn't get in. Yeah. And it had already been uh, sold out, essentially, on pre-order, which I didn't quite comprehend. Didn't know why, how things can sell out on pre-order. When they, don't, when they haven't doesn't built make sense them yet. Because yeah. all you get to, you know, you just go on the bottom of the list, and eventually you get the thing. But the system didn't let me go in, and the week later, where, after they'd come out, um, I saw that they were, you know catching fire all over the place and that uh, <laughs> that Samsung was was taking them off the market again. Touched the bullet there, so dude. It probably did. It Absolutely. did. It did. But then I I thought well what now because that was the one I had my my sights set onto. <laughs> what about you, Dan? I got things on the shopping list. <laughs> you've you've uh, inherited a nice little toy. Yes, and I was thinking of buying one of those That's toys really? that I just inherited. It's the um, uh, APC Yeah. Um, APC 40 Mark II. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a piece of... It's a MIDI device. Yeah. Uh, controller mm. for Ableton or for any music, really. It's a it's a MIDI controller. But it's a nice bit of kit. Very fancy piece of kit. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I would, uh, you would have hours of fun with that. I came really close, though. I called up the dude and said, if I placed an order next week, how long would it take? Yeah. But I didn't go through with it. No. But I probably, well... See, my mates now loaned me one, so now I've got an excuse not to buy it. Yeah, but ultimately, you if you have to give it back, you're going to have to buy it. Because <laughs> they, they hook you in those things. And you start to actually develop your workflow around the hardware. Mm. And it's very hard to let it go. Mm. And that's how you get these studio sh- shots of people's studios and they're just hardware everywhere. <laughs> full of crap. What about you, Dave? What swag did you get? Well, I got my uh, kayak just before Christmas. Um, and uh, various fishing paraphernalia and all that sort of stuff. Had some very successful fishing trips over the Christmas break. Successful because you got fish or successful because they were really relaxing and quiet? No, because I got fish. Lots <laughs> of them. Wow. Lots of them. 
Um, commonly referred to as a shit ton of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, probably enough to keep me going for another year Your or freezer's so. Freezer's full. Um, we got oh, nearly 40 or 50 kilos of fish in one trip. Jeez. Out of Eden. Uh, uh, ocean, but not, not wide, not right out. Have you got some sort of satellite detection drone laser beam system Dynamite. set up on the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, called the brother-in-law. <laughs> He's got all these hot spots. No, it was really good. I thoroughly right, enjoyed right. it. No, okay, it was cool. really good. Um, and I got a new microphone. Yeah, I kind of noticed that, but this I didn't. The podcast um, on the top five-ish sort of mm. podcast mics. It's a bit epic. Yeah, it's it's sturdy. Mm. Like you always um, like a like a sort of. 2012 MacBook Pro. If you chucked it at a, an assailant, yes, you know you got mugged. You can defend yourself with this microphone. Is you what you're saying. can, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's got. If you had a chain and another microphone, <laughs> you'd have a wicked <laughs> pair of nunchucks. Mike chucks, lovely. <laughs> so our um, our first show off the off the rank for the year, and we've decided to have a look at the visual effects Oscar nominees for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the list one night before it gets shortened to five. Yep. And so as part of this, we'll probably have our... Uh, we'll probably save it to the end and we'll go around and, and, and sort of pick that five, um, see what everybody's choice is for what the, the top five will be yeah. after the bake-off, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. final bake-off. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me... I think it was Tom that sent me this video through last week I think it was somebody has actually put together and I won't we won't um, won't play the audio too much um, but this is the Academy Award of Achievement in Visual Effects um, full screen oh yeah and oh sorry on the podcast oh if I do that then Uncle YouTube oh sorry <laughs> I'll shut up now um, smashes yeah yeah mm. <laughs> Crazy pixel uh, counting algorithms yeah, yeah. and things yeah. like that, and it gets smarter every week. The Uncle YouTube. So right. yes, we're we're just sort of seeing a um, a, a montage, uh, a sort of a showreel, I guess, of all of the entries that are in the list. And um, I won't actually. I can probably put down here, maybe. Oh, we'll leave it off. I'll just bring it back and on and off when you, when you need it. So this is a list of who's seen what, so we can sort of go around and do a round robin. Um, we've also got Rotten Tomatoes up there on what they thought. Not that they know what they're talking about. Uh, so them and IMDb. But anyway. So yeah, there's the um, there's the list that we're going to be talking about. We'll work our way through them. As you can see, we've some of us have watched some of them, mm. um, but no nobody has actually watched all of them. Oh, yes, we have. The Arrival. Have we all seen The Arrival? Oh, yep. We've yeah. all seen The Arrival. Okay, okay, so there is one film there that we've all seen. Other than that, there's something that I guess at least one person can learn about the film from hmm. from each other. And we're going to try to keep it to visual effects uh, this time around. Um, we'll probably review one or two of these in the near future um, as a film review. We'll go into more detail. We'll really have a look at the narrative and the storytelling mechanism and the overall production and, you know, beyond... Um, on visual effects but for for tonight we'll we'll try to stay 
in the wheelhouse of visual effects. Yep. So should we lead off with Arrival? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go with the top one that we've all seen. <laughs> uh, Dan, what did you think of Arrival? When, when did you see that? Um, not too long ago. Can't remember exactly. Not but within ago. the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Now, um, all right, I have to actually, I do have to talk just a little bit about the, the movie as it, itself as a, um, yeah. as, a, as a sort of reaction to it. Spoiler, Look spoiler, at, spoiler. Oh, yeah, th- this may contain traces of spoilers. I don't know if we can we can escape. <laughs> it's copious amounts. There are yeah, some movies. Yeah, I don't know if we can escape. Some not. movies that can be spoiled more than others. Yes. We will try, I suppose, to be careful, but, yeah, discretion is advised, I suppose. Um Okay, so first of all, it's got up there Rotten Tomatoes. Can you pull that back, Rotten Tomatoes? Yep. 94%. And is Mm. that the highest? Nope. Well, yeah, and Kubo is the only other one high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or Jungle Book's only five. Oh, and Jungle Book. (laughs) Yeah, weird. Okay. Um, So just first a quick opinion. What was the Jodie Foster movie that's exactly the same as this movie? Contact. That's not the same, Dan. Of course it's the same. (laughs) The Jodie Foster movie... And, and the joke about the Jodie Foster movie is it was disappointing because it turned out that the aliens were her dad. Yeah. And with a whole <laughs> lot of God sort of mixed in and about <laughs> yeah. um, the cement to the story, shall we say. So this is the same movie, right? Um, and you see how it gets 94%. Yeah, everybody loves it. I didn't – I wasn't too – enthralled with the movie because it was it was kind of it was just a bit like contact it was one of these yeah. sentimental dour introspective yep. wet yep. <laughs> gloomy yeah rainy stuff happens spaceship movie um it it drove me looks like the videos maybe auto gone on to something else um it drove me almost to tears. The 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 pace of it. Yeah, it was slow very film. slow. Very I enjoyed slow. it. Right, yeah. I enjoyed the premise. Yeah. I think if I was more of a reader, I probably would have said this. <laughs> said the phrase. No, the book was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that to me is all director. Yeah. Right? It's all the pace of a movie is something the director's got their hands all over. And um, I could even appreciate it as a thing, as yeah. of what it was. Yeah. Um, but that's what it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, so there was all of that sort of stuff going on. What did you like in it visual effects-wise? I I've, I've, found there was some really cool stuff in it that I really liked, visual effects. Uh, yeah, there was lots of cool stuff. I suppose it was interesting that the spaceships were just round, circle, sphery type things. Yeah. Which... They were a weird shape, though. They were... They were sort of a um, a river pebble. Yeah, they, they were, they were conical, they this, sort of a, a little bit of a concave bowl shape, a bowl. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, like a soft rounded bowl. Also, that was like that was freaking on me its out. End. Yeah, yeah, that was freaking me out at the start because they were showing it and I was like, "That's not symmetrical," yeah. you know. And I was like, yeah. "Damn it, it's not symmetric." I can tell it's not yeah. symmetrical. So anyway, yeah, um, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought of the special effects. I thought that there was probably a lot of quiet special effects. Yeah. That's where they remove an aerial or yeah. remove a fence or... Yeah, I think you're right. You know, a whole lot of those things that are just kind of natural that you never ever see and you'll never ever notice. And I imagine there's a thousand of those things going on. Yeah. But as opposed... But, but for the big spectacular stuff, I don't know. I thought it was fairly run of the mill. You got a big blob spaceship. Yeah. There and wasn't got, a lot of... There, there, there wasn't really a lot of. It almost felt a bit like a Bloomkampf movie where they don't show you the arrival of the aliens to a great extent. They don't even show you the aliens. They don't show people screaming and running and all, you know. There's 
really it's sort of the whole first section of the movie, um, the alien side of it, is kept really quiet. You know, it's all about even her on the, even the opening shots where she says, "Oh, the aliens have arrived." Turn on the telly. Yeah. We don't see the telly. That's right. You just and that's I think uh, that's a good metaphor for the whole movie. It's about. Yeah people's reactions to the aliens and yeah. so even the aliens themselves they're always in smoke and they're yeah. always and so i was a bit you know it's very competent and it's very well done and it and it does what it needs to do but i don't think it was groundbreaking or particularly spectacular it was just it was that's what you needed to make that movie yeah mind you in a lot of films you can especially in books as well where you don't have to describe the enemy so well mm. Uh, you can make it more interesting by not showing it, you know, by keeping mm, them a bit. Yeah. Just think of use you know, your imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sauron in, in the Lord of the Rings mm, yeah. never, never got shown. In the movies, they had to make something, so they come up with a weird floaty eye. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to make an alien that looks really weird. You know, either you'd go the Star Trek and Star Wars route, where you have a human with a with the prosthetics on his face. Yes, exactly. Or you get something that is, you know, in the old. Star Trek episodes they sometimes to make them really really alien they just made them a blob of gas that could talk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you make something that's sort of there half there and not really there it leaves a lot to your imagination mm-hmm. and that your know, imagination is really good at filling stuff in the VFX in your brain is in, what fills yeah. it in in this yeah. company mm. I struggled to really shortlist it I, I struggled to put it in the top five mm. for visual effects It had some nice fluid stuff. Some of the fluid, you know, the communication method with uh, yep. using that volumetric fluid. Yeah, the, uh, the ink, the ink, the, ink, the, yeah. the language. That was very effective. The air yeah. ink. Yeah. Um, there was a scene there where she was sort of. It seemed like she was floating in water. She was sort yeah. of submerged. She but, was in their atmosphere. But yet mm-hmm. she wasn't. You know, oh yeah, and the yeah. The way they sort of pulled that off. The what 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 happened to her hair and slightly. There was some slightly interesting gravity tricks that were going Somebody on. Somebody said that she was CG in those scenes, but I. I forgot. Now that you mention it, I remember it. Yeah. And damn, I didn't look it up. I got a feeling probably what they did is um, CG'd everything except her face. They probably mm. stuck her face because it was all very front onto camera. Um, but it did look a bit bizarre. It looked to me like they're definitely not in water. There's, there's certain traits that, mm. that happen in water mm. um, when you put a model underwater and have their hair all sort of float around and. It felt to me like it wasn't that. It definitely seemed to me like that. That was some sort of sim. I thought that was a yeah, mm. that was a model or something or other. But, But for again, me, it was the water stuff. The the fluid. Uh, whoever was doing the um, volumetrics for the whole piece, because mm. the way the clouds dissipated around the mm. and the yeah. way they came down into the valley, mm. that's all fluid. Um, mm. That's all volumetric stuff. Mm. So whoever was in charge of that, they they knocked it out of the park. But apart from that, um, I wasn't overly impressed with either the movie story. Yes. Movie no, VFX no. The the one thing I really don't know is what qualifies a movie for the VFX Oscars, right? Mm. At some point, some people make a decision that one movie should go and others should should not go. The a few weeks ago we had the the first listing, which went from we had 20 films and we cut it down to these 10, and some of the ones that didn't make the cut, uh, I was very surprised that you know films like Arrival. Um, That really doesn't have that many innovative new things uh, got cut, got got chosen over, say, for example, the uh, Star Trek Beyond. Mm. The list that we have here, I'm not sure that any of those movies really have anything very, very new in terms of technical development. Yeah. If you look back at other Oscars where we had, you know, Jurassic Park, 
and that was the first time we saw 3D dinosaurs. Mm. Um, or you know, we have all the camera work that oh, they say the, all the work that we done did on on um, Avatar. Avatar won an Oscar. You know, these are milestone pictures and those ones effects. are obvious kind of Those're Oscars, obvious right? And I, I think this year we sort of well, I don't know. Maybe when that. we get to, through the list, I might <laughs> okay. spruik my opinions. These are some uh, these are some also rands that uh, were in the running but are now out of the running. So these are the bake off points, I think. Um, so these are the ones we've got at the moment. With these being a prediction from whatever this website is, theawardcircuit.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've also got the first, the, the most recent Bake Off. So in there, as Tom said, you've got Star Trek Beyond, uh, Warcraft, Deadpool, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, Apocalypse, X Men. There's some big visual effects movies there. And look at that one there, Independence Day Resurgence. Mm-hmm. That's some cra- like if you wanted to look at some things that were <clears throat> unique, um, that movie had some really unique stuff, like just the sheer scale of of having to do a UFO that is so big it makes the hearth look like it's wearing a hat. Mm. Like that's crazy. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's definitely some uh, some noteworthy films in the uh, in the visual effects category for this for this period. So the BFG. Tom, I saw that at the, at the cinema, so it's a bit it's a while that I've seen it. Um, I story wise was a bit disappointed because it didn't it added as films often do a lot to the story of the book and a lot of things that were in the book weren't actually in the film. Those sort of things I always find a bit sad. But on its own, it's a nice little story. Uh, my kids who love the film, uh, who love the the book, found it okay. Yeah. I loved the giants. I thought, especially the the BFG himself, yeah, who yeah. was close up to camera, yep. acting as a main character in a film fully CG. I thought that was awesome and 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 deserves respect. Um, uh, another another cool visual effects that they had there is you know visualizing dreams. How do you show dream sequences and you know make them pretty horsies and. Always, a yeah, dream, always a dream mm. as a thing rather than as a story. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. There's a there's an interesting uh, showreel to be cut together by all of the ways Hollywood has represented dreams over the years. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it would go right back. Mm. Yeah. Some of the earliest, um, mm. some of the earliest visual effects in film were dream state stuff. Mm. You know, um, people daydreaming or dreaming. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I, you said you watched it. I think we've amended. Yeah, I've the seen list. it as well. I've so seen what did it you as well. Um, Any young Canny Valley stuff there? Well, because they yes, were quite humanoid, but they weren't. They were so exaggerated. It's, you know, yeah, they're caricatures. Thin, huge really. ears. You're the caricatures, <clears throat> and then yeah. you can get away with a lot. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, for me, the um, yeah, I thought the story. Yeah, yeah. I didn't sort of. I don't know. In the end, I didn't pay too much attention to the story. To be honest with you. Um, special effects wise uh, yes the giants were fantastic and in fact I think um, the BFG the hero giant was upstaged by his enemy nine they were more interesting certainly because you can have fun with the monsters always you can have fun more with monsters than you can with somebody who's supposed to be likeable and you know a bit human Yeah, you can't put a bone through his nose or or big scars over his face where with a flesh lump eater you can have (laughs) Yeah, those great guys. Fun. So those guys were great. I was just, I just loved 
watching them. I thought they were they were excellent. You know, really, um, really well done, and also really fun and expressive and um, interesting, and you know, big and stupid and and all of that stuff. So that was really a very impressive part of the the thing for me. Um, There's loads of particle systems in it, lots of particles. So. Dreams were kind of expressed as these amorphous, flying, yeah. hyper-coloured, neon, particle, gas cloud things. Um, and that was pretty cool. And they had they had loads of those. Um, they had loads of sequences of catching these things and and doing stuff with them. So that was all pretty, pretty impressive. Um, I assume that they're using some um, – well, they're probably definitely using – facial um, capture yeah. stuff so or maybe even facial replacement I don't know um, for the monsters so for the for the trolls and stuff and for the heroes so that was really good um, and then we get to the however because for me some of the visual effects didn't work so good and this is where we get into in the arrival we were sort of just complaining that they were just it wasn't spectacular yeah in, and I know that that movie wasn't meant to be like a circus spectacular but still there wasn't anything that was like but I think so there wasn't anything positive but there wasn't anything negative either I think actually in the BFG there were negative things because a couple of times more than a couple of times the BFG has to pick up the small girl and so you've got these different scale yeah. issues going on yeah. and then the, has to interact with the small girl and that's where, for me, the illusion started to break when the two of them were interacting really closely, one being held by the other. Um, and sometimes the lighting didn't quite match and, um, I don't know, I, it, it didn't fool me. Yeah. It didn't fool me. So that was my... So I actually thought there was some good stuff in there but there was actually a couple of bits and pieces that didn't actually work yeah so that's what i was yeah i agree i agree across the board i didn't it didn't engage me as much as i thought it would mm. um but there are some brilliant stuff in it from a technical standpoint absolutely it's very very hard to make that interaction between something very strong and big and something light you have the same when you say if you want to do the hulk who is you know massive and heavy, yet he can pick up a tree yeah. without any effort. Yeah. It's very, very. It's one of it, the hardest it wasn't things exactly to that. It was also the lighting and stuff, trying to match the girl and shrink her down mm. to look like she's the right size, but still in the same lighting space as the giant. Those, those some of those shots, particularly when it was a moody shot in his underground cavern where there's smoke and it's all blue. Those were some of the times when I just didn't feel that it was it was working. Yeah. So next one, Captain America: Civil War. It feels like it's been a while since that that would have come out That's in May or yeah. something last year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm getting them all confused. You know, I saw Ant yeah. Man the year before, and uh, <laughs> then he's like back that. in there in Civil War again. It's one more uh, Marvel movie. It hasn't, to my knowledge, to my un, unexperienced knowledge, maybe uh, it hasn't got any more or better visual effects than previous Marvel films. Yeah, they're all sort of. They got flying Iron Man and and explosions, explosions and everything. So it's I mean that that uh, that fight on at the airport mm. in the end when they all get yeah. at it and Giant Man shows up for the first thing. Yeah. Ant Man goes and up Spider-Man into gi- Giant Man up. mode. Yeah. There we have this 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 scale thing again. I thought that was a bit uh, 
old school. You know, you want, he's he's big and yeah. therefore he's in slow motion and he talks slowly and mm-hmm. he moves slowly <coughs> to show size. Yeah. I don't know. They could maybe I don't know. That could have been maybe done a bit better. It Just felt because like a set piece too, didn't it? That a whole airport. Oh yeah, uh, oh, sequence. Smash the whole thing. They just it's need like a place to. We fight. need a place to fight. That's what they all do. They yeah. always have abandoned buildings. New York, yeah. Marvel, uh, Metropolis, whatever town. Yeah. I think Metropolis probably they, they destroy more. Well, but um, uh, New York certainly it's must be every second house is an abandoned warehouse because of the superhero fights that they need. Marvel's sort of hit and miss, isn't it? Like they've done some brilliant stuff when they used New York for um, mm. for the first Avengers. Yeah, when the aliens attack. Um, but yeah, like Thor, when they built that town in the middle of the desert for the very first Thor film, I think mm. it was the first one. Yeah. And it just looked like they were all cardboard walls and all held. Like it was. <laughs> it's just. It, it was just, really just the street, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, like Wild West town. Someone had come yeah. out and built this thing, and it just looked like no one would live there. Mm. Like, and what are you doing set up in in the car mm. dealer? Now that stuff there that you have on the screen, that was awesome. Yeah, that's that why I stopped really, it really there. Well there. Um, this is, they used it, uh, a Robert Downey Jr. Yeah? Robert, yeah. Robert Downey yeah. Jr.? Yeah. yeah, they found him and then... Um, they used a Robert Downey Jr. young um, CG character, a de-aged CG character. And this was done well before the um, the new Star Wars um, CG characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think they hit it. Um, this is this is the Uncanny Valley to me. It, it looks like he's wearing a, a, Ronnie De- a Robert Downey Jr. face mask. I mm-hmm. thought that. Well done. There's an ins- there's if I play it back at normal speed here, there's something. There's something dead in his eyes. You know what I mean? Like he mm. just had this really weird dead sort it of. It does stare. look a little flat, I suppose, in that that picture there. It's, it's missing something, and mm-hmm. and of course that something could be one of twenty thousand things that we don't even know how to measure. That we're painted mm. out in yeah. the process of... But there we got the, the little... House elf. House elf. No, it's not a house elf. It was some sort of goblin character yeah. in uh, in that new Harry Potter film. And that was, again, like the giants in BFG. Oh, we should probably talk about that later think, when we yeah. get to it. Talk about that later, but yeah. Just about, you know, similar. Uncanny Valley and what you can get away with. <clears throat> yeah. Those things are easier to do than a Robert Downey Jr. who's who we know, who we see close up as a young guy. Yeah. No, I think um, Captain America for me was just a, a very good Marvel movie. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just a good Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the It's hard to be a, awarded for something that is expected as your genre. You mm-hmm. know, it's like... Especially since so many other films have gone before that have done the yeah. similar stuff. And they're all pretty much... They're all doing water sims, fire yeah. sims. They're mm-hmm. all doing at the to same credit, scale. <laughs> to their credit, they're concentrating on story. Mm. They're yeah, not yeah. not concentrating on making new weird special effects yeah. to make sell the next Marvel movie. Yeah, hmm, that's a good thing. So, Deepwater Horizon, you're the only person that's seen that. No, I've uh-huh. seen it. Oh, you saw it too. Yep. yep. So, what did we think of that? Well, as a movie, I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you sort of tell somebody, you know, I'm going to watch a movie about an oil rig, and they'd be like, oh, really, oil rig. Um, but the oil rig at least does blow up, I suppose. <laughs> there's action in the last so 40, so 30 minutes. That's why it's better than the arrival. No, they had, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought, yeah, we should talk about storytelling, I think, at some later stage. But it's an interesting um, thing when you've got a real 
event. Yeah. They've got to tell the story of a real event. Yep. So this is actually real. So you're kind of constrained on what actually happens. And then it's also, it's a disaster movie. Yep. Spoiler alert. It's a disaster movie. And disaster movies have an interesting narrative kind of graph. And that is that everything, all the intensity kind of happens in the middle. So you start off and there's just a bunch of people. Introduce. The yeah, yeah. There's some nice people. There's some more nice people. Yeah. Oh, look, some lovely people. And then you, in your mind you think, well, half of these guys are going to get horribly murdered, <laughs> right? And then you have some usual things where, you know, somebody's taking shortcuts and nobody's listening to the scientists and they're building a mall on top of, a, uh, you know, a potential volcano. Yep. And then suddenly all hell breaks loose. And then it's just this kind of slow glide, like you, you power off and you just power down. And then the movie will end with everybody in blankets, sick, sipping hot chocolate with bruises and band-aids and flashing sirens from ambulances. I yep. found it amazing watching it, how often that rig actually explodes. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's the initial thing that sets it all off and think, okay, now we're in, in that downward spiral thing. But, yeah. you know, five, six, ten minutes into it, there's another yeah, big explosion. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but as a general yeah thing, that's it's it's interesting what you need to do to do with uh, there. So I take it that the whole damn rig is a CGI thing. No, no, no. They bloody built that thing. What? They really built this is the biggest construction set for any movie. They built it in a back lot on a on a pond on an artificial bit of water. Really? And they constructed that whole. Well, not not not. The, I don't think they constructed the tower. But all the base that you see there, the four legs, the yeah, helipad, yeah, yeah. everything was built. But I think that that central tower was probably added later on, I think, from the pictures wow. I saw of the construction. Yeah. No, it was a huge, huge effort. And, uh, of course, that the real deep water horizon sank. Mm. And uh, there's very little information that you can get about it. Um, the oil industry is not very forthcoming. Yeah. Because they see this film as a bit of a conflict in interests for them. And yeah. there was one sister rig built mm. of the Deepwater Horizon, which is very, very similar, which they used as the basis for the construction of the site. And when they did have oil, oil so for example, the Mark Wahlberg character, the, the actual person that Mark Wahlberg plays, he was, you know, consultant for the film. He came mm. to set and and a few other oil rig workers who were there, they were always, you know. One of the things, they, they were always mighty impressed with the accuracy and with the, with the dedication of, of the construction work on that thing. So that was impressive, building that thing yeah. for a film. So with one all the computer one monitors. You're talking one-to-one yeah, one scale. That was a stage that they then burned down. That's crazy. Down. That is crazy. Um, <clears throat> with, the, with the interior, with the computers functioning, with all the displays correct. Wow. Huge, huge effort. I was assuming that, um, yeah, it would have had to have been... I was imagining that they would have had bits of it, like a helipad and actors walking around, but most of it would have been set extension type stuff and and that type of stuff. So, okay, that's quite surprising. Um, okay, so what special effects were there in this movie? Well, there's lots of fire, Yeah. right? So there's a thousand fire thingos going on. The other interesting thing that they did that... Um, had to have been the CGI is they had to take you inside the pipes yeah. of the drill yeah, because that's where all the danger's happening so yeah. we have to put the camera inside the thing and under the ground at the bottom of the ocean and so that we can see things going wrong down there while they look at this, the video screens at the top so there was all of that that stuff as well and I, I don't know I felt that it was fairly competent um, and all of that stuff the underground the other underwater stuff inside the drill stuff all worked uh, there was more fire than you could poke a stick That's at. That's set there. Yeah, oh, you can wow. see how much yeah. they built. 
more fire than you could poke a stick at, and I suppose they <laughs> should get an award for doing fire, but I don't know if that's groundbreaking or... Well, they did, again, they, with this film, they tried to do as much as they could in camera with practical fire. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, as you see, the entire, you know, the central column tower is missing, and the whole mud coming up and spewing up mm. the fire, the whole thing in flame, mm. that was all CG. But we've had CG fire for many years. It's... Uh, yeah. And a majority of the visual effects for this film would have to be the, the invisible visual effects of wire removal, rigging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Putting it out in the ocean. With putting it out in the ocean. There's the a the whole tub. You know, all those struts and, and girders, and then you have to erase all the trees and the, yeah. the, the city in the background. Yeah. Well, I imagine, see there's green screens up here. Is that, is that green screen? So I imagine a lot of the, the buildings a on lot the of thing them. would have been, yeah. But there's so many different angles that we see this thing, and, and this film has no... Um, still cameras. All cameras are always moving. Yeah, I noticed And we have too. lots of helicopter f- things going around the This thing was why I was thinking that it, a lot of it had to have been CG because they had all of these flying cameras yeah. going everywhere. So I was thinking... Dan, I, 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 I was <coughs> assume <coughs> that they probably had the whole rig done in CG as well. Yeah. Okay. For the far shots, for okay. the burning shots, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. For filming close-up with actors, they had the, that set. Uh-huh. And I would guess that for all the far shots, they would have used the CG one, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So the next one, Doctor Strange. I think uh, Tom. 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 Oh, Tom has has seen. Uh, I can recommend you guys watch it. Uh, Doctor Strange was a good film. It had an interesting story. I, I'm not one who read the Doctor Strange comics, so I didn't know too much about it. Good, big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, of course. Mm-hmm. And he plays really, really nicely. <clears throat> the uh, the visual effects were. Fantastic. What you can see in the trailers is the you know distorting of towns. Much much we saw a film uh, where they fold up Paris, which was um, Inception. 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 And we saw you know that was impressive back then. Doctor Strange takes that to the next level. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is one of the few movies I would recommend anyone to watch in stereo. You know, watch in 3D yeah. if you get the chance. Mm. See that film with the stereo glasses. Uh, the whole town inverts itself it it's like little fractals it goes off into infinity and while it's doing that people are jumping through those upside down worlds and fighting so bits of the town get disintegrated and they 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 jump from debris to debris the um, the company that did a lot of that is luma in in melbourne and they wrote custom tools to to get this mandelbrot fractal creation of a, a town off into infinity so that's one of the if probably the only film that i know of in this list that actually has done some technological advances for the sake of this film mm-hmm. where we might see some new tools hit the, hit the shelves for for visual effects artists out of it sounds yeah, like houdini some, is what it sounds like i wouldn't know what what software they use but you know chances are it's houdini or Maya. yeah yeah no i'm um I'm holding out to see a very good quality copy of it. Um, mm. Largely based on the on the feedback that I'm getting from people that have seen it. Mm. Um, what visual effects I have seen, they look they look good. They look polished. Um, the light magic sort of effect um, works really well. Um, yeah, they have of course then also interaction with magical items. There's one end scene at the very end where they go into another dimension. So it's a different, you know, universe that they fight in. So they have a virtual, virtually new, totally new environment. Mm. So they did a lot. I think if it gets nominated for the Oscars, ultimately it'll be on its environmental work. 
I think it's in my top five. Yeah. I would put it in my top five. As uh, a good movie and also as a visual effect. Yeah. And I mean, just when we when I see the word best visual effects as the that's the name of the award that's on the trophy. Mm. Um, best to me is either best because we don't see like there's been no footprints have been left like your forest mm-hmm. gums and things like that mm-hmm. um, or best is it's front and centre and it's a feature of the actual storytelling process and that's what this one like the visual effects are right up front and centre they're, mm. they're part of the storytelling process and I think for that reason alone it's 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 top five for me definitely yeah um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them <sighs> Yeah, I liked Arrival. You said Arrival was long. Yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly from start to end. Arrival. Arrival. Yeah. But Fantastic Beasts. I never want to sit through those two and a half hours again. <laughs> yeah, there it was, was. It was a bit that painful. That film had nothing to offer to me. It had great creatures. It had Fantastic Beasts. It did exactly yeah. what the title said. Yeah. I'm going to show you Fantastic Beasts, and they were interesting. Yeah. But it just dragged down. I'd never seen a film where so many people just stand still. Yeah. Camera on a person that stands still. Two people interact in the background. People stand still. There's it's a, like nobody moves. The, you can tell that there's a there's a director helming the the piece where he's put a hundred percent weight and energy on the actors actually telling the story. And then you need you need more than that if if you're going to tell a Harry Potter f- you know story. Mm-hmm. The actors aren't enough. There's, no. you know, there's a pace to it. Mm-hmm. There's a, there has to be a pace to it, and they know that because there's sequences that are done at that pace. Mm. But then it drops out into these fucking adult things, and the, I think they're trying to make it out an, an, an adult movie. Yeah, the editing is too slow. It was. They could they could cut the whole film by forty minutes easily, and still have exactly the same film just by cutting each shot. The biggest problem for me was the Video. main the main actor. The um, mm. the guy with the case. Yeah. Um, he went full retard on some like <laughs> his acting decisions. I remember within the first ten or fifteen minutes, I looked at Leanne and I said, "His his acting decisions are terrible. Like he's just pulling these faces and staring off. Like people are trying to talk to him over here, and he's just staring off. You know, like he's he just made these decisions about the character he was trying to create in front of the camera." Mm-hmm. And he was this close to full retard. You know that whole scene from <laughs> Tropic Thunder where, mm-hmm. you know, actors, you can you can go almost there but not all the way there. And he went full retard. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point I had to be reminded, he had to do something to remind me that he's just special and tormented, mm-hmm. you know, and wants to, yeah, he's weird. He's, mm-hmm. he's trying to sell weird but he's coming across as... Scary. Um, yeah, scary weird, like bizarre, untrustworthy weird sort of. It's a totally different character. He was trying to portray something different, but it didn't come across that way. And and that's through the whole film. Like I had to put up with that through the whole film, and that for me just ruined it. And then his sidekick, the, the human, the muggle... <laughs> He he walked up, walked bottle behind and, and giggled. Yeah, you know, oh, this is cool. Oh. Yeah, uh, he had a funny expression on his face, and that was it. And didn't really need to be in the film. Oh. And there was other characters that didn't really need to be in the film. And I just couldn't. You're right. Like the the, the Fantastic Beasts were brilliant, and mm. the visual effects was quite good. Yeah. Um, 
But it scares me that there's, you know, that there's four more films coming. It's yeah. going to be five altogether, I think. Yeah. Uh, people will still see it. <sighs> all right. So all of the things that you thought were negative, I thought were actually positive. <laughs> Have you seen The Fantastic Beast? Yes. And you see how it says 73 by Rotten Tomatoes and Arrival's 94? Yeah, they're wrong as well. No, they're absolutely <laughs> correct. 73 <laughs> is too good. Dave, you're the middle column. Yeah, I've seen it as well. No, no, that's you. Oh, you. Yeah, I was... I wasn't in there. All right. So I thought that, yes, the hero was an inter- introspective nerdy geek. Yeah. And he was playing that character. And he didn't look people straight in the eye. Yeah. He even walked sideways. And I like that. I like that. He never walks straight. He always walks sideways. It just gave me the shit. It's like he, he's got a character. Who was carrying the story? Who was carrying the story? Well, Where was the exposition coming from? It wasn't, wasn't coming from, from Captain Retard who couldn't do two sentences. Well, that was another thing about the story that I liked is that it was diffused across a whole bunch of characters. Yeah. So it was there wasn't one hero. There was kind of the two the two girls, Queenie and that other yeah. and then there were the two guys and that and the, the story would float around between the two of them. Another thing that I liked was that there were a, a, a whole bunch of other external characters and some of them got killed. Yeah. Some of them got completely killed. And I liked that, that, you know, it, it was like all of these sort of stems coming up. We had this person and this person and this person and then dead. And then it was like, okay. And then this person and look, hey, get to know this guy and this guy. Oh, and you know this guy? Dead. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. And I thought that was quite inv- innovative and yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, yes, I know, know what you're saying about it was being very long. It was a bit like... Um, Return of the King. You know how I think it's Return yeah. of the King, where it ends like sixteen <laughs> times. times yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a bit because it's the same deal. Is that you've got all of these characters and you have to kind of wrap them all up. And so we go and visit this one and see how that goes. We go and visit this one, this one, this one. So there was that. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Um, one last thing about the story that I liked is that the ending wasn't predictable either. You didn't know how it was going to go. Well, but they did re- keep coming up to that mysterious wizard Grindelwald who, who disappeared mm. and then you think oh, okay so he's he's probably going to show up in the end and uh, and that's exactly what happened he didn't focus on he, I didn't have much attention of him on my radar I was concerned about what's his name Constance or whatever his name was the the, the freaky super geek mm. and how it was going to end with him because we had we could either kill the monster or yeah. we could um, save his soul and, and you know make everything right again and both of those things were in the and those two things were fighting and fighting and yeah and I was really surprised that yeah so all of those things put together I really liked um, and then the last one was um, the VFX at the end the end sequence with Constant when he goes ballistic I thought that was staggering. I thought that was staggeringly well done. The visual effects, no, no question, were awesome. Were yes. brilliant. Were brilliant. But I still, they, as we've always said before, you cannot carry a film with just visual effects alone. And and this film had nothing else, in my mind. Yep, I agree. It was completely devoid of color. Like color wasn't invented. Um, like the, there are shots where, where literally the guy, this guy, the main character is walking down a city street, and he is the only person wearing colour. Mm-hmm. He has a blue 
jacket on. Mm. Every single other person in the entire, and I'm talking a busy New York well, street. the 20s, everything was black and white back then. That's mm. that's what it looks like. It looks like somebody's <laughs> looked at all the old black and white photos and thought, oh, there's not, we'll this one. not a lot of colour <laughs> there. One. <laughs> this will be really easy. Colour, it looks like that in, in black and white photos, right? But they're... Their mauves and burgundies and 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 deep blues and all like this color like we we wouldn't have color for thousands of years and then get to the twenties in New York and not wear color. Look, I think I was probably I just watched um, Deepwater Horizon, and I was kind of comparing the two, <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 Deepwater Horizon for me was totally predictable. Yeah. It was a disaster movie, and you know how that's going to go. Yeah. Um, and anyway, when I got to um, watch Fantastic Beasts just a little bit after, I was still thinking about Deepwater Horizon and that played off on me and I really liked the sort of diversity of the story. But um, visual effects, I was so impressed. I had a smile on my face for the whole end sequence. Oh, when, it, when They nailed it. That was fucking yeah. amazing, I they thought. They nailed it. Um, the visual effects, the animation, the, the map painting, um the, the New York, the they, particle, everything was fresh. The smoke monster was insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm it not crazy. And it had those two away. states: one where it was angry, and one where it was kind of. And you could see faces yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not taking anything away from the visual effects of that film. Staggered, but yeah. they were fantastic. It's definitely my fo- top five. Mm. It's definitely my top five. Jungle Book. Well, for me, Jungle Book is is. <clears> I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I think Jungle Book is sitting at number one. Mm-hmm. I honestly think out of that list. Um, what Jungle Book achieved is pretty astounding, mm. um, and it's all visual effects. It's all mm. it's all false. Like mm. nothing there is real except for the boy in mm. a very little uh, secondary puppetry used, um, and even then, there's it's green screen stuff to to lean on and interact in you know, eye lines and all that sort of stuff. So, um, what do you think? Who's who's have we all seen it? Tom's seen it. I've seen it, and I agree with you. It's my list. Again, it's a bit early, but uh, it's my list of the one who's actually going to win. I'm going to say it's not only going to be in the final five, it's going to be the one that wins the visual effects Oscars. Yeah. That's my prognosis. I think you're right. Um, Might be. (laughs) Story-wise, what I really liked about it was the the, the throwbacks to the old animation. Yeah. So at the start, you start, you know, see, see, you hear melodies. You think, okay, so when the snake comes, you hear that the melody yeah, yeah. of the snake. Uh, in the old cartoon, of course, the snake sings. Yeah, yeah. But this is a real film with real, you know, real snakes in parentheses. But the they theme don't sing. is still there. But the, but the theme is still there. Yeah. And then and then he plays with, with Baloo the bear. He comes up and he's brilliant. And the yeah. character is funny. The voice acting is great for, for the bear specifically. Mm. And uh, they tell the nice story about how he actually got lost, how Shere Khan killed his dad, and how he grew up with the wolves. The the story is good. They, you know, they even have. So it it, it got a bit weirder towards as it as it went on because they, in filmmaking, you establish you establish the world at the start. Yeah. You know, if if animals speak, then you start the film with speaking animals, and everyone goes, okay, right, animals speak. I can live with that. I can suspend my disbelief. Mm. And uh, and Mowgli and Baloo sing the bare necessities, but it's just two pals having a song, and, and Mowgli doesn't know what songs are. Right? Mm. He asks, you know, what are you doing? Bears mm. humming, you know. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm singing. Don't you know what a song is? 
oh no, I've grown up with wolves. You know, we sing. <laughs> so he says, oh, and he teaches them the song. And then they s- sing the bare necessities. And I thought that was great. Yeah. But then it got weird when they came to the orangutan, King Louis. King Louis, yeah. Who comes up as this uh, big mafioso, huge uh, yeah. character, threatening, and uh, wants to know the secret of fire. And then King Louis starts singing. And that's where the film went off the rails a bit because uh-huh. he started singing the, the the monkey song from the from the film, mm-hmm. you know, and it didn't fit at all. To mm. initially, then suddenly the film was a musical. Mm. It wasn't a musical at the start, and suddenly we have these musical sessions where your big threatening guy starts singing a song to you. Mm. Yeah, and that was too late in the film to start introdu- introducing a, a new reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only grab I had with the film. That didn't that didn't work for me at all. Yeah, uh, but the fact that everything is CG. Yep. And the interact there's so much fur yep. that Mowgli interacts with. And uh, wet fur, sometimes oh, it's pouring rain. Brilliant. Um, in the river with the with the bear. Um, but you're right, like every frame of the film you have to look and and recognise that it's it's all been built mm-hmm. uh, um, digitally. Mm. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We do monkeys really well nowadays. Um, <laughs> a little practice. But this sequence too was brilliant. Apart from the, I, I'm with you. Like any movie, I was really excited about Tangled um, because I loved the animation tech mm. style used for Tangled. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I saw a sequence of the horse um, engaging, you know, and he's a really intelligent horse. He gets up to all this really cool stuff. And the animation style throughout that sequence was brilliant. And that was the trailer. That was the bit that I saw, and I thought I'm really going to like this film. And so I watched it, and within the first five minutes, music starts up. That's Disney kids, and film. singing starts up. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was, it's I was princess. so, I wanted it to be a Pixar. You yeah. know, they have music. Um, in some instances, they even sing, but they do it in the story. It's not like, mm. it's not right out high grease. You know. And Disney Weird. Princess has to sing of her dreams and what she wants to be. Exposition. Well, for think, me, it's a big cross through the film. Usually yeah. for me, when when people start breaking into song, and <laughs> there's backing music, but there's no band and stuff like that, it's like, what is going on? I think you yeah. sent me a Pixar, uh, yeah, a Pixar thing about how they were um, planning Toy Story, mm. and when they ring up um, Tom Hanks and says, "Do you want to be in an animation movie?" and he's like, oh, "I don't have to sing, do I?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and nice. you know, and that's when they decided, you know. Okay, no, you don't have to sing. You don't have to have a singing animated character who sings an I want and my dream song. Yeah. Best thing they could have done. Yeah. All right, so um, so I th- Jungle Book's definitely my top five. <coughs> um, now, this is the breakout for me, Kubo and the Two Strings. It's It doesn't fit with the rest of no, them? No, it doesn't belong with them. Because it's stop motion? I just think it should be appreciated as for its... Well, the visual effects... Is the filmmaking process like there's there's two co- there's, there's, there's lots combination of, 3D of stuff in there as well though. but but oh is there like well like the smoke and the the magic sort of there's particle effects there's and stuff particle, in that's, there, in that's there visual well. effects yeah. to me yeah. like the three yeah. D um, uh, 3D would be Millennium Falcon 3D mm. scraping across the sand and that sort of yeah. stuff um, visual effects is all of those and, and you know it's earth wind fire water you know mm. all that sort of stuff yeah. but also the compositing. Um, Kubo, to me, is a hundred years of stop-motion animation brought together using all of the mistakes and, and, and learning from all of the mistakes to come up with this thing. Mm. And it's stunning. Mm. It is so stunning. Like that monkey. 
There are so many things on that monkey's body that could be bumped, touched, tweaked while you just change the mouse shape, you know, mm. and you're going in and you're changing a finger position or whatever, and yet it's flawless. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't move at all. Mm. And um, when when I look at Kubo, I look at stop-mo and visual effects perfectly brought together in, in a merging that I've never seen before. Mm. I've never seen it before, and it is stunning as a result. I think it's fair to say that it's probably the state of the art in terms of um, uh, stop motion, yeah. and it's sort of the maximum of what you can currently achieve with stop motion. Um, but, and, and we can see over there that it's 95 Rotten Tomatoes. 97. Sorry, 97. Yep. Um, and just before we get too gushy on it, um, I'm going to probably have to differ from everybody oh, else some, again. I I would – I'll <clears> qualify <throat> my, my opinion. Um, if you turn the volume down – and I think if you turn the volume down on any of these movies, you should be able to find the visual effects winner out of these films. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Because then narrative and is you've, you're, t- you're taking that out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So – with Kubo, you turn yeah. the volume down with that, yeah. put on some really cool music, yeah. and watch the film for two hours. Yeah, um, it's stunning. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but the storytelling process is not my bag. It's not. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of cultural things in there that were um, foreign. The way they treated certain characters and the, the, the how dark it went in some places and things like that. Get very dark in some places. Yeah, but it's. Um, for me, you, you've got to shut the sound off and just appreciate what it looks like, and that's why I put it up right at the. That's very a fair top comment. Place. That's a fair comment because I thought that the story was pretty awful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, pretty awful. Um, it, a lot of things just happened because they were in the script. Yeah. So many things, you know, and a lot of it's chalked up to destiny the- or destiny, you know, and and then a lot of the like characters turn up. The heroes, you know, you have to have a band of heroes and they just kind of accumulate. One yeah. just turns up, says, hi, yeah, I'm joining your gang now. Oh, okay, cool. And then they had to go on an adventure to go and find some stuff and then it was random stuff that they didn't really use and they only and they only found it by just following a little dude who said it's over there and, he's, and so they went and got it. They didn't like... So that that kind of pissed me off a bit that that was in the, in the film. But... You're right. If you turn down the sound, um, yes, it's a stunning example of the state of the art in terms of stop motion um, animation. And also putting together, you know, using, you know, um, special effects, I mean, sort of 3D effects to enhance the stop motion, not to cover it up or take away from it or or stop it, but to add that extra little bit of polish on the top of it. Now... I have an interesting thing that I'm pretty damn sure is 100% true. <laughs> can we go back to the trailers? Can you maybe, if you can, dial up the trailer? Because you know at the end of the movie, they have a little making of. The trailer of Kubo. Yeah, and it's included in the, um, well, it's included in that sequences that you were, you were showing before. Was it? If you can just find your way to So they have a making of where they show you behind the scenes. Because obviously, I think, this is in the movie, they show you the behind the scenes, because obviously they're proud of the fact that they're all stop-motion animators yeah. and they love stop-motion animating and they want to show off how they did it. Um, so, yeah, if you can see if you can find it there. Now, all of the characters are being photographed on a stage. 
Now, some of the things that are on the stage are lights to light the characters, not surprisingly. But there's also, so this is the stage, right? Also on the stage is they have very large flat blue screen flat screens that have the storyboards and things on it so that the animators can, that, that, that assists them to get keep it all in check. If you look at the character's eyes on some of the close-ups, you can see the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see the lights and you can even see the blue screen yeah. TVs with the... Yeah. So, anyway, that's what hmm. I, I noticed, you know, is because they're reflective. They're yeah, nice yeah. reflective glassy eyes that they've got in the characters. Next time you have a look at it, in some of those close-ups, you have a look and you can see this. This is what you see. That's you know? um, that's a very common thing, I'd say, with stop motion as well. You would have to pick up a lot of... Because it's all staged in in little with lots of lights. I'm just saying that's a, that's an artifact of the um, of the way that it was made. I'm not yeah. saying that it's bad or wrong it's not or that they couldn't have painted that out. They could have painted that. It would have been yeah. a lot of effort to go to for such a small thing, and only nerdy geeks are yeah, the ones yeah. who go, "Hang on, what's going on there?" Yeah, the highlight right. in that eye. Is <laughs> yeah, not quite right. Well, this is the the same company that did um, Coraline, and for Coraline, they had they developed this. I think that was the first one that they did where they used 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in old films, like if you watch, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, you have an entire head that has to get replaced. Mm-hmm. So you have a different head for all the facial expressions. So with they streamlined that a bit in Coraline, where they started to replace only the mouth part, and so each uh, puppet has a bit of lower face that mm-hmm. ca- is magnetically detachable, replaceable, clicked back in there, mm-hmm. and that means there is always a seam going mm-hmm. through the face. Now if you watch the movie. You don't see the scene yeah, yeah. because every single frame ah, right, that scene okay. has been painted out. Mm-hmm. So this company is very used to going through their films and painting out frame, frame by frame, frame stuff mm-hmm. that they don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Potentially, some of those things that I like with the monkey with with so much detail, you could easily go in there and paint some imperfection if someone did bump. Mm. A, a hair or something, and you've got this one hair, they could easily go back and. and well, they've got those flat screen TVs in here, and I don't know a super lot about the stop motion animation, but obviously they're using digital cameras. So they can probably take a photo of the, the maquette where it is there, mm. then they go on to the next frame, and then they can take another photo that they're not going to keep. They're just testing to see, and they can be snapping back and forth and back and forth. And if they see any little errors like that, they can probably fix them up on the spot. Traditionally, stop motion is done on twos, where mm. you double up every frame. So mm-hmm. you you take a, an image twice, mm-hmm. um, and that literally gives you a twelve frames per second playback. Same with any two D anim- traditional. Y- yes, animation. It's traditional two D animation is the same. That's that's not created by computers nowadays. Now, mm-hmm. with all of the tweening and um, like when we do three D animation, we're there's not a lot of labour in the in-between bits, so mm. we just do it at 24 frames per second. Mm. But stop motion, there's so much labour involved that they just did it at 20, at 12 frames and they just repeated every second frame so that they could play it back at 24. This film mustn't... There's no way that film is... is um, too is, smooth. ...is 12 frames per second. It's way too smooth. Yeah. I imagine, it's, I guess, that they could be using some sort of motion blur to sort of... I don't think so. I reckon the they shot it. ...in between the I frames. I reckon they shot it at 24. And oh. that's a massive undertaking. If it's true, that's, that's true. Um, it's, we, we, could, we could test it by putting the film up and just well, frame by frame through it. One, one, one fault that always was associated with stop motion, which you can see in all Ray Harryhausen movies, is when the tiger jumps at you, yeah. you freeze frame, 
the tiger is non-motion blur. Yeah, there's yeah. no motion blur. But then that's why Lucas invented go motion, because that allowed stop motion with motion blur. Yeah. Mm. But I wonder now in the digital age with with what where we have, you know, vector fields yeah, that we yeah. can use in compositing or we can mm. compare two two frames and then yeah, right. it, uh, interpolate pixel, pixel a frame in between. Yeah. It's worth you know looking at Kubo holding a frame, seeing it, does it have motion blur? I would say it probably has. Yeah. And the question is, how did they achieve that? Maybe mm. it looks so smooth. Maybe maybe they did do it on twelves, on twos, sorry. Yeah. And then interpolated every second frame in between because the technology is there these days to do that. Absolutely, and it it, it would make a huge difference if they if they did that and got mm. it right. But yeah, I, I use pixel-based post-motion blur all the time, all the time. Very rarely does a situation come up where I can't get away with it. It, it gets it right. Um, normally, if something's travelling so fast that it struggles, then you're using sort of two layers of motion blur anyway. You're sort of doubling up with a little forced... Um, forced directional sort of blur over the top of it anyway mm. um, it's really good and I mean these guys would be using tools that are probably far better than the, the plugins that I use in After Effects mm. um, but yeah I use real smart motion blur uh, real as in R-E-E-L um, and I've been using it uh, for oh, nearly 8 years it does it really really well you can feed a velocity um, render into it to to drive the motion blur accurately, or it just does a pixel, pixel frame by frame pixel. Mm. Uh, I did the truck for the students. That whole thing is post motion blur. Oh yeah, yeah. So next time you watch yeah. it, watch him jump out onto the road and walk and everything. Mm -hmm. Freeze on any frame, and you'll see you'll see motion blur because it's just too expensive to render. Yes, so um, definitely top five. Now passengers, I don't think we need to. Spend too much time on it, mainly because, and we'll be <laughs> very. We don't, we don't know anything about it. We'll be devastated if it gets up and wins. <laughs> uh, look, what I've heard from talking to people who have seen it mm. is that if you've seen all the trailers, you've seen all the special effects. I mean, it's not a special effect film. It's mainly two characters in a spaceship. Yeah. There is this awesome thing that you can see in the trailers where she um, is swimming in the pool when the gravity on the spaceships gets turned off, and then she's stuck in that bubble and can't get out. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, I've not seen that in a film before. But yeah. yeah, apparently, if you've seen all the trailers, you've seen all the special effects that this film has has on offer. It's the general flying through the spaceship towards the sun, yeah. people standing outside on a spaceship riding along. I could be talking bullshit because I didn't see the film. <laughs> I think there's when when someone says it's Jennifer Lawrence and Chris. No, what's his name? Uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt only on a on a sh spaceship out in the middle of nowhere with no one else and I I can't get around that sentence like I can't get it's around bartender. That, that's Apparently what it the bartender is. steals the show too oh it's their bartender <laughs> the robotic well. bartender yeah um, it, to me it's like I, I couldn't I couldn't sit through it I just <laughs> I couldn't sit through it I I I tried to have a look at a shitty version of it, you know, and, and it was there was no point. I, I couldn't. It should not be in this company here. Won't be for long. That's what I believe too. I think it's going to get baked off. Which brings us to something close to our heart: um, the very first spin-off Star Wars. Well, it's not really a spin-off, is it? Oh, no, 
it's a it has well, to be a spin-off. I guess it's, it's all linked. Star Wars story. It's yeah. a standalone. We did this Han Solo story. That's not really a spin-off, given that we know it is. It is so tightly yeah. interwoven with A New Hope. Yeah. That it really is. I'd say you know you could watch them back to back and have yeah. them as one film where, yeah. the, where the you know because the cast was all killed off halfway through we're starting with a new cast. It's, I think the um the it the, belongs into those. It's really you know, you know episode three point five. Yeah, I you, think it really belongs into. You that refer to series, it as yeah. a, a non-trilogy movie, but it would fit in there no problems at all. Like yeah. you could very easily watch three. That one and four. Yeah. I imagine spin-off is taking it in a completely different direction, but it's in the same world. Yeah. And so this is a sort of a parallel spin-off. Yeah. You know, it's just a, a parallel perspective, I suppose. Fantastic Beasts is a Harry Potter spin-off. That's a spin-off. It yeah. has its own, it's in New York, it has it's nothing the same to do world. whatsoever with Harry Potter. Yeah. But it was born out of it and mm. it takes takes you know yeah. story points or exposition that was established a world that was established in other films and uh, just makes his own little story yeah. but Rogue One does more than that <clears throat> Rogue One elbows itself right there into the yeah. into the mm. into the whole canon it just passed a billion yeah I heard that yeah, yeah. that's Pretty a lot of money crazy yeah <laughs> that's a lot of money that's um, it's stupid money it's in the top seven all time box office yeah and I don't think it's finished yet yeah so yeah. Anyway, um, that's a lot of money, and it's a you know it's it's great to see. The thing I love about this film, and it's a slight tangent, but yet still related, I guess, is the director was one of us. He mm. was he was a he's a visual effects guy. Yeah, mm. Edwards. Yeah, I met. I haven't physically met him, but I met his work as a visual effects artist in a um, FX PhD. Did a ten part series called. Um, guerrilla filmmaking in yeah. After Effects. Oh, he teaches yeah. that. Or used to teach it. Brilliant. Ten part series, ten hours, right? And most of what he's teaching you is what he used, the methods he used to single-handedly do the visual effects for a two-part BBC documentary on Attila the Hunt, including campfire scenes with th- thousands of soldiers and um, battle scenes and all this sort of stuff. He was using Max... And After Effects, mm-hmm. using particle systems in, in Max with pre-rendered walk <clears throat> cycles that he had sent it up and got rid of the green and they were going on the particle cards and the particle cards were going across the field and he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He's a master at um, at understanding where to spend, where to, you know, and what the audience should be looking at. Mm-hmm. That's what I really took from his series mm-hmm. was um, he would show you There'd be some horse horseback riders race up in the foreground and then on the hillside there was a castle and that was CG. And he said, we're just going to do this. To now, I could easily spend the next four hours, but I, you know why I don't need to? Because everyone's looking at the horse riders that rode up in the foreground. Mm. And they are. You know, these. it's all about the story. They're telling, telling this narrative of Attila the Hun and this and that. Um, and so this fleeting glance of this thing over there is not really you, – you don't have to – you've got to know when that level is where you don't have to go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was his that was his talent. That's He's the, the same guy who, of course, directed Godzilla. Yeah. And uh, after being you know successful and exposed himself quite nicely with, with his Monsters film, yeah. uh, then got the directing role for Godzilla and now has access to a big, big – Team and fantastic cameras to play with, mm. but then uh, he goes off 
in an evening after everything's locked away yeah. and says, oh, let's go shoot some B-roll and just takes his Canon D5 and shoots B-roll footage on the D5 in the background and and then puts that into the film as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people, um, was police asking for a shooting permit or something? Some people, people approached him because he was sort of wow. just cordoning some areas in the back alley and filming and uh, he said they didn't believe him that he, you know, he's, he's, we're currently making the new Godzilla movie. <laughs> He was. Um, That's cool. He, I think he he asked to do it. Didn't get much of a response. Took it upon himself to create the trailer mm. that that they took to Comic Con, mm-hmm. and they played the trailer at Comic Con um, without ever having permission to create the film. Mm. That their yep. hope, and and the trailer was the guys, the parachutists jumping out of the. Uh, um, the C-130 or something and then going through the clouds with the red smoke trailing mm. off mm-hmm. their heels and then that fleeting glance of the yeah. side of yeah. Godzilla through the clouds mm. as they go down mm-hmm. um, and then having them erupt out of the bottom from under the clouds mm. with the skyscrapers um, the reaction to that was enough for him to secure the rights and a healthy film budget to go, to go and make it that's living proof of how powerful a good trailer can can win budget you can yeah. actually win a green light of film off a trailer mm-hmm. they did the thing with um, the huntsman a vision well. so rogue one um, visual effects wise I mean there are other things in this list that stand out but it was solid um, so that brings us to what was the visual effects in rogue one that was unique that was uh, unique Upfront and un- unique would be a way to daring, gutsy, very daring, gutsy, but not unique. It's not not new to have digital sh- characters. Yeah. What's new and gutsy is that these are visual 3D characters of characters we are very familiar with. Absolutely, human. Yes, humans that we are intimately familiar with, yep. and they're right there. In, you know, you can see every pore in the face because mm. they have a full cinema resolution right in front of you. Yeah, it's gutsy. Yeah. But did they, how well did they pull it off? I think if you look back on that film in 10 years, there's, that's your answer. Yeah. Like, we'll look back in 10 years and go, what will we think? When, when like, that's the, not even close how was it the, to the, what we do now or to reality. Mm. Remember 15 years ago, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm. I think that got an Oscar for visual effects back then. Yeah. And deservedly so, because yeah. it was the first time that CG humans were done and back then I looked at it and thinking eh, yeah. not quite but impressive really yeah, super really impressive. impressive that's right but you look at it now and you don't think it's super impressive anymore no that's right because you're seeing it on the Playstation yep. you see that? yeah that's right <laughs> and so you look at Tarkin and especially with his mouth when he was talking yep. I think there's some still images if you look at it in still images it, it gets yep. they get away with it better than if they talk it'll always be the way Once he's, and the same with Princess Leia yeah I thought I found with her she, her likeness wasn't there. I, I think she, she, she actually looked like another actress. She didn't look like a young Carrie Fisher. Mm. Um, and when you've seen that film throughout your life, mm. well into double figures, mm. you know, some probably by this age we've probably seen it twenty times mm. each. You know that face. You yeah. know what she looks like yeah. in that film. And, and they then had all her the, all really the models and the posters and the Tarkin had lots of screen time. She was there just yeah. very briefly and cut away. Before she she just could. had this weird grin and she yeah. looked like mm. an act. She just looked like a totally different actress. Uncanny. Yeah. Uncanny Valley. So I think they failed. Um, it, it 
tarnished what was probably a flawless visual effects film. Um, One step too far. Yes. Tarnishing yeah. is, is harsh because oh. I applaud it's that ILM. they did it. Somebody had to do it. It's ILM doing Eventually Star Wars. Somebody... There should be no excuse. It should be absolutely <laughs> flawless. Um, and You're they, getting paid a billion dollars to do this. They almost way. got it flawless. Like, it was brilliant. Like, a lot of the stuff, um, the, the rainy stuff happening on that pinnacle planet uh, at night, um, that worked really well. The, the droid worked really well. The ex mm. the ex military droid um, they brought him to life really well. Um, Considering that he had such few moving parts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I thought it was flawless, with the exception of those two uh, decisions. That said, I like I love those two decisions. When I see Tarkin turn around, it was pretty voice, cool. I, I applauded. I think yeah. oh, it looks odd, but. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. I'm so glad. It was pretty cool to see see the character and yeah. to uh, and to have him play such a pivotal role in that yeah. story mm. as well. I would um, yeah. It brought more character. It brought more out about that character. Like in the original Star Wars, you didn't look at that character and think, "Oh, you're a power hungry." You just thought he was a maniac. You know, just a typical um, uh, imperial general maniac. Mm. But in this role, he was calculating and, um, you know, trying to, it was opportunistic and, and sort of swept in and took the yeah. success of somebody else and stuff like that. And that opened up a, a new character arc for that character. Um, watching the film again, because I got a chance to watch that despecialized version um, that we've been sort of talking about and, and throwing about a bit, um, I found he all of a sudden was on the radar again. Like when I watched the film, he's not a he's not a major character mm. in, in, the, in the original Star Wars. Mm. But now that we know a little bit more about him, I found that I was paying more attention to, to Makes him. Makes him more interesting. They yeah. gave a lot of backstory to, to Tarkin. Yeah, I thought so too. Because it was, was great. And I think uh, that Rogue One is definitely going to be in the final five. Uh, but if it does win the visual effects Oscars, I would like to know based on what because mm-hmm. I wouldn't give it the Oscars for CG humans they yep. didn't do anything new they did a gutsy move but they didn't invent anything new so that the, um, yeah also the inclusion we mustn't forget the inclusion of stock footage from the Return of the Jedi and uh, yeah. previous um, shot actors from A New Hope yeah of and the it same wasn't pilots. just it wasn't just those two that were digital either there were two of the pilots were digital as well. um I thought they took old. I think it was a bit old of shots and uh, just, you know, rode it out and changed the background. You know, shots from from Attack on the Death Star. Did they? And the the females from from the uh, female pilots from uh, Return of the Jedi, hmm. which were cut out of Return of the Jedi, because. <clears throat> All right, let's put your money where your mouth is, gentlemen. Give me. Well, I'd like to do it if I could. Give me your top five. Well, it, the way that I can only really think about this is just sort of chopping us down to the top five yeah um all right so so for, for me yeah. i think um just gonna maybe go down the list arrival probably yep. won't get up there um bfg is a bit of a contender i feel but as you say i noted it was a bit i, I noted that what i thought were some flaws in the in the thing so i'd put that low at the moment but as a contender, mm. I think. Didn't see the other ones. Um, Deepwater Horizon. 
Um, again, probably pretty low because for the, some of the reasons that we discussed. Fantastic Beast, I was super impressed with, as everybody knows, so I'm putting that up at the top of the list. Kubo Two Strings, yes, I think it has to go up on top of the list somewhere. Cool. Um, and that is that me done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tom? So I'll say Arrival probably gets through. Gets yep. through in the final five. Interesting to note that at this stage of recording in America today, they will make that decision. Yeah, mm. yeah. So when people watch this show, they, they might have the answer already. We don't know who yeah, the final right. five will be, but yep. uh, uh, I'd say BFE is out, BFG is out of the running. Uh, Civil War, take it out. Deepwater Horizon, take it out. And keep Doctor Strange, keep Fantastic Beast, The Jungle Book, and Rogue One. No Kubo. No Kubo? I'm afraid not. Mm-hmm. Kubo is going to be number six, I'd say. It yeah. just, just slips out for sadly. All right, Dave. So Arrival, I think, is, is gone. BFG is gone. And... I'm going to say Jungle Book is in and Fantastic Beast is in for visual effects. Okay. Yep. Uh, Rogue One is out. Ooh. Oh, not out of the Bake Off. Oh, this is the final five. We're going for the final five. So it'll be in my five. Yeah. And this one's out. All right. Now, so that means we all agree with the three: the Fantastic Beasts, Jungle Book, and Rogue One. Yeah, that's what I wanted to see. Can we give it a score in the in the other column there, where we get um, just a point value one for a yes and zero for an X? Yeah. Oh, got to be. Yeah. You've got to divide that by the number of times we actually mm. see it. What do you mean? It's Fantastic Beasts, you can't give three points, and Jungle Book only gets two points. But that's only because two people only saw it. All right, we'll put in a fudge factor for that. <laughs> divide by the number of people that saw it. Well, what I was really just looking for is consensus rather yeah. than um, yeah. volume in terms of the, the number. So I think if you looked at that. Fantastic Beasts. It's Rogue One, Jungle Book, Fantastic Beasts. Okay. Is the top three. <clears throat> so out of those three, what do you gentlemen think is ultimately going to be the winner? Mm. For me, I think, because I haven't seen all of them, but it's Fantastic Beasts. And I, it's partially, I think it's out of those two. Fantastic Beasts and Jungle Book. I haven't seen Jungle Book, and I think the, the argument that I'll use for Fantastic Beasts equally applies to Jungle Book. It's the volume. Yeah. So you've got um, facial replacement, you've got CGI characters, you've got particles going off, you've got everything in... <laughs> they're throwing everything that, you know, they have at it. Yep. Um, and it's just that there's... It's just all the way through it. So that applies to Jungle Book as well, I'm sure. So which one? I haven't seen Jungle Book. So oh, I no, you haven't either. Yeah. I will say Jungle Book wins the Oscars. I'm going to say Jungle Book as well. Not having seen Jungle Book and just listening to you guys, I think you might, you might be... might want to watch it. <laughs> well, I might want to watch it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jungle Book. Second would be Fantastic Beast. Third, Rogue One. I'd go the other way. I'd say Rogue One is second. Yeah. I'm, af- I'm slightly afraid that... No, I rescind that. 
I was going to say I'm slightly afraid they might give it the Oscars to Rogue One, undeservedly, but they haven't given it to any of the recent Star Wars films. Every year, something else won the Oscars. Yeah. So I don't think Rogue One is in the... in the No, 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 I don't think... I, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've got something there as well that thinks they might give it to it, even though it's probably not... Just because Carrie Fisher recently died. Yeah, and, uh, and they should be happy a with a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. They don't need a trophy to it's go with it. It's funny when you look, I, I don't have the page open at the moment, but I brought this list up on an article, it could be at Variety or somewhere, and next to all the names are the actual studios. Mm-hmm. And there's only about three or four at the most that aren't a Disney movie. Because mm-hmm. anything, like, that's Disney... Uh, Rogue One is Disney, Jungle Book is Disney, um, Doctor Strange is Marvel, so that's Disney, Captain America is Disney, and I've got a feeling uh, BFG is Disney. But is Marvel... I know Disney bought the comics. Do well, Disney own the Marvel Studios for film? Yeah, yeah. Do that. D- Disney own Marvel. Yeah, but those rights are all over the place. Spider-Man is with Sony. Oh, no, there were some some existing... um, There were some existing contracts before the buyout. Stuff like Deadpool, stuff like Mm. X-Men. X-Men, Sony properties. But I've got a feeling that's all changing soon because they've optioned those and they've run out. um, But, yeah, there were some contracts that that superseded the, the big buyout. But Disney own Marvel. Oh, shit. Yeah. Including the film oh, Marvel yeah, Studios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's a very profitable... And these are just visual effects films, but we know that visual effects, that list, that's your box office. Mm. Like, that's where all the money gets spent at the box office right there. Um, and if you went over to Best Film, a list of the best film movies, all of a sudden the box office drops off. Mm-hmm. So if you're a company... You want to own these ones here. You want to own the ones that are getting the visual effects. Um, so that's it. Um, the wow bucks. Yeah. Our, we, we roughly know what our shortlist is, but we've pretty much put forward that the Jungle Book should win it. That And, we, and that's our consensus. And also we don't know what these people who make the ultimate decision use as reference. I yeah. mean, our podcast will be out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So. They'll they'll watch this in order to, to do their <laughs> voting. <laughs> right. um, it's funny, but I think there's an air of truth there. Someone told me that like there's X amount of members of the Academy and they get sent these movies to watch. Or they either the whole movie or at least uh, some kind of um, appetizer. They get a compilation usually. Yeah, they get like ten minutes from each film. From each film and it's mm. all the best bits for that award. Okay. You know. And um, and these are busy people. Yeah. And yeah. so sometimes it's the pool boy or uh, the son-in-law or the, <laughs> or the 14-year-old kid that's actually voting for dad Yeah, yeah. in these other categories. they, The dad or mother or, or whoever's the proper member, they might focus on one or two of their you know, mm. cinematographer or whatever. But it gets outsourced. Mm. This sort of stuff gets outsourced. And that makes it really hard to pick. Heard, I've heard similar sort of rumours about it's a bit stodgy sometimes about how this decision comes about. Well, that's it for our uh, first show for 2017. Um, we're going to be reviewing um, a movie next week, and I'm not sure which one, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll come up with that. And I think we'll go classic this time. I think the last one we did was Star Trek. Yep. Or was it the Crab one? No, well, it was Star we, Trek. It was Star Trek. We did the Crab one before. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. 
I thought the crab was after, but who knows? I, th- I thought it was. I, I, I watched it. might this. have been as well. Um, but, well, let's start off with a, a, a classic. So you'll either see uh, joining us on the panel maybe Tom or it might be uh, Rick um, or we might be able to secure uh, the services of one of the other nerd strap-ons that we all travel, <laughs> <Strap-ons>, <laughs> travel yeah. with. Um, and uh, so we'll definitely go back into our pattern of uh, trying to review some classic and new films in amongst these types of shows where we, we sort of break off and have a look at some of the other things that we get into. Uh, plenty happening. Um, I guess next next show we might even do a little catch-up on some of the stuff that we're regularly in and around. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happened to that over the Christmas break, droning and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's been some pretty cool stuff. Um so that's for the next show. Uh, any parting words, gentlemen? What do you got coming up this week? Anything exciting? Now that we're Australia Day, public holiday this week. Yeah, Thursday's a public holiday it's for been a, us. A slow ease back into work. Yeah, holidays. Yeah. Then last week I had a couple of days off because the kids are still at home, and this week we have a public holiday. So slowly getting back into a five-day work week. Yep. It's, it's been gentle. What about, what about you, Dan? Well, I've been just been dropped in the volcanic rock crusher at work so I'm like flying around like a chook with its head cut off so yes looking forward to a bit of a break so the um, um, the big breaking news for me is I finished my first song for the year oh, yeah, created yeah. my first song for the year we might even play it next next show <laughs> on the outro or something like that we might we might play it yeah. but um, I think it's actually starting my music starting to sound like I bought one um, yes. and I've been doing a lot of learning in relation to mixing and mastering and, and uh, putting the special sauce over the top mm-hmm. and it's made a huge difference yeah. and, um, and can people find your music um, you, soon you not yet I'll, I'll put a link on the Facebook page for Voyage of the Geek to my um, SoundCloud mm-hmm. uh, and I'll put a copy of up, the, up there yeah, yeah I want yeah. people to hear it have a have a have a go have a, a critique session of it uh, for what it is but yeah for me this year it's about finishing tracks I, I don't want half 400 half finished tracks mm. I want fully blown tracks and then let the finished ones improve instead of the half finished ones sound like they might be getting better or yeah, not, and never know. go anywhere yeah yeah which just depresses <laughs> you so yes um, that's it for me uh, until next week Dan parting words Tom parting words well Oh, be safe. Keep it together. And save often. And save (laughs) Save often, often. as always.